What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 10 of Preloaded, the podcast dedicated to previewing and talking about all of the biggest and most exciting upcoming video games. My name is Josh Finderup, and I am joined, as always, by the other half of Preloaded, Jackson Vanover. How are you doing this week, Jackson? I'm doing great, Josh. We've got a lot of next-gen stuff to talk about and Valhalla previews to get into. Yeah, it was a busy week. We got a ton of news, including PlayStation 5 UI first impressions and the first look, I guess. We got a Cyberpunk and Night City Wire that we're going to talk about and a ton of other news. So you want to stay tuned for all of that. But first, preloaded posts every Monday. We post the video version over on Jackson's YouTube channel. And if you you may have noticed, rather, that we also posted the video version to my YouTube channel this week. This is the first time we've done this. Uh, and just to give you a heads up, we're doing this to just expand our reach. We're really looking for ways to grow our audience. So we appreciate every one of you who watch on uh, either of our YouTube channels. If you are discovering for the first time via my channel, welcome to Preloaded. We're really glad to have you. But if you prefer to listen, you can also catch the audio version over on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you are listening on any of those platforms, we'd love for you to leave a five-star review. Speaking of growing our audience, probably the biggest thing you could do for us is just drop a review, or if you are feeling generous, you could leave a written review telling people why you like listening to the show. You can also write into Preloaded at the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And we welcome all of your feedback, all of your thoughts, but we'd love to also get your questions. Every week at the end of the show, we dig into our mailbag. So if there's anything you want to hear Jackson and I talk about on the show the following week, write in and send us your questions. And speaking of questions, we're going to kick off the show this week with our segment, Who the Hell Are These Guys? This is where Jackson and I answer a question about our gaming preferences, our gaming history, to help you, our audience, get to know us as gamers. And the question that we are going to answer this week is, what is your favorite trend in recent games or in the games industry that you hope continues? So that was a lot of talking, Jackson. I'm going to kick it over to you. What's your answer? All right. Um, thank you, Josh, for that question. And my answer is going to be wholesome this week. Uh, it's going to be the good vibes on social media. I feel like you know, the console wars, that whole thing has never really been driven by the publishers and the people who make consoles. But at the same time, I feel like in the last several years, we've seen Sony, we've seen Microsoft, we've seen Nintendo kind of, even though they're still doing their own thing. They're all kind of coexisting and being supportive of one each one another. And I feel like that lends itself to the community also being a little more supportive, not nearly as toxic I feel like as it has been. So that's the recent trend that I'd like to see continue. Just the good vibes. That is awesome. Yeah, I mean, we all have seen the negative stuff that can pop up on social media. So I second that <laughs> completely. That is a great trend. And I hope it not only continues, but gets even more uh, prevalent. That's, Absolutely. that's a great answer. So I'm going to kind of take it in the other direction. Uh, there's actually a trend that is in older games that I hope comes back. So not to derail this question, but I really miss the days when kind of action adventure games had contained 
levels. I think the last time we've really seen this was in the Uncharted games, but even going back further than that, games like Tomb Raider, where you'd get into a contained experience for each level. It'd have a beginning, middle, and end, and then you'd move on to the next level. And I feel like as much as I love open world games, it's one of my favorite genres. Uh, I've And even games like The Last of Us, which you could argue has levels. It's more of like one narrative thread throughout the entire game. And I miss that. I, I, it's kind of an old school design philosophy in games. But, you know, I just played Mario 64 and that has totally contained levels where you get to tackle each one, one at a time, and then move on to the next. Uh, and I just, I miss that. Maybe I'm old school. That's a that's a great answer because the moment that you brought that up, I felt the same. It feels like sometimes games are projecting this watered down version that is not quite open world, but not quite linear level design. And then you have these wide linear levels like The Last of Us Part Two. So um, I would love to see that back too. That's a great answer. Yeah. So interesting stuff. We are now going to move on to our out this week section. Every week we look at the games that are coming out the week that we post the podcast starting on Monday and moving on through Friday. And this week it's a very light week, but there are some games of note. The first one comes out on Tuesday, October 20th, and that's Amnesia Rebirth. Now, these games are, they have kind of gone under the radar in the past, I feel like. They're pretty much, I think, only on PC. But this comes out for PlayStation 4 and PC. And if you're into horror games, you're looking for something spooky to play on uh, pre-Halloween, these games are fantastic. Yeah, they're terrifying. Yes, they are. (laughs) Uh, And next is Doom Eternal, The Old Gods Part 1. This is the first uh, story expansion that's coming out for Doom. Really exciting that they're continuing to support this game with some uh, single-player DLC. Uh, This comes out for PS4, Xbox One, PC, and PC on Tuesday, October 20th as well. And then lastly, another expansion, Pokemon Sword and Shield, The Crown Tundra, which comes out, of course, for Switch on Thursday, October 22nd. Now, I don't anticipate you'll be getting into Pokemon, but Jackson, are you going to get into (laughs) Doom? The old gods? Uh, how dare you assume that, Josh? Uh, first off. <laughs> yeah, that, that was. <laughs> Second off, uh, yeah, the old gods, oh, it's just one of those issues of time. I really want to. I thought Doom Eternal was great, and I thought that the trailer for the old gods was awesome. I love what the new Dooms project in terms of their you know personality, uh, but I don't know if I'm going to have time for this. Yeah, me neither. Uh, there's a lot coming up. We're just coming up on... Uh, Watchdogs Legion. And once that game hits, man, it's just a nonstop barrage of games. So I'm right yeah. there with you. But yeah, Doom Eternal, if you haven't played it, one of the best games of the year. It really is. Yep. So now that we've looked ahead, let's look back with our review roundup. Every week we look at the games that came out the prior week and we go to Open Critic to check out their review scores. This week, there are only two games that got uh, new review scores that we thought were worth covering. The first is Age of Empires 3 Definitive Edition. If you're into real-time, top-down strategy games, uh, this is a classic. It has 80% uh, uh, average critic rating and a 68% recommended, 80, uh, 68% of critics who've played it have recommended it. And then Torchlight 3, another top-down game, but this is a hack-and-slash RPG kind of uh, loot-style game, kind of in the vein of Diablo. And it has a 65% average and 11% of critics recommended it. A really surprising score there. It is. And I, I dove into some of the sentiments on why that was. And people said that, or the reviewers said that the first two games sort of push the envelope in terms of that genre, whereas Torchlight 3 really doesn't. And so there's mm. almost not 
a reason to invest in the new one because it doesn't do what the first two uh, did, which is disappointing. Yeah, that's really too bad for fans of those games because I know Torchlight yeah. 2 is a uh, a fan favorite. Yeah, it is disappointing, yeah. Yeah, so with that, we are going to take our first break, and when we get back, we are going to dig into a ton of PlayStation 5 hardware news. Uh, I guess software, too, if you count the UI. So exciting stuff. you want to stick around. We'll be right back. And welcome back. We are now going to get into our week in previews segment. This is where Jackson and I cover all of the news that came out about games that are coming out in the near and sometimes not too near future, as well as news about the new consoles that are coming out in the very near future. And that is what we're going to kick things off with this week. So not long after we recorded last week's show, they came out with a bunch of news about the backwards compatibility and just compatibility overall. And since this is kind of old news, I'm going to run through this very quickly. I think the biggest things that people need to be aware of is that, um, well, first off, they did talk about how select PS4 games will feature boost mode and that this will up the resolution on certain games and the fidelity. Uh, Next, and I think this is overlooked. I didn't hear this a lot of places. PSVR will only be compatible on the PS5 if you have a PS4 camera. So if you pre-ordered the PS5 camera thinking you were going to be able to use that for VR, you will not. So you'll want to use your old camera or buy a PS4 camera. Uh, Next, um, they did mention that game saves will transfer from the PS4 to the PS5. And there are some details here that they covered. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, One important thing, though, is this won't be uh, true for every game as it's up to the developers to make this happen. And then lastly, they did cover which games are not backwards compatible on the PS4 or on the PS5. And it's a very short list. It's, it's 10 games, and they are some of these I hadn't even heard of. DWVR, Afro Samurai 2, Revenge of Kuma, Volume 1, TT Isle of Man, Ride on the Edge 2, Just Deal With It, Shadow Complex Remastered, Robinson the Journey, We Sing, Hitman Go Definitive Edition, Shadow End, and Joe's Diner. So before I get into the next set, uh, bit here, anything to add to this, Jackson? Uh, all I have to say is that I'm very disappointed that Joe's Diner is not going to be playable on my PS5. Yeah, Joe's Diner, and for me, it had to have been Afro Samurai 2 Revenge of Kuma <laughs> Volume 1. Actually, no joking aside, or joking aside, I do have Shadow Complex remastered on my PS4. I never played it, so that may remain on my backlog indefinitely. I feel like you're part of the percent of a percent of a percent of people that has one of these games (laughs) that it's is truly being affected even though you haven't played it yeah so uh anyways that again that's kind of old news what we just got this morning uh totally shadow dropped on us uh nobody saw that well i think people saw it coming but nobody knew about it was that playstation dropped a state of play where they revealed the ui for the playstation 5 so everybody was really looking forward to this we finally got to see it and so right away we saw that This does confirm the leak that we saw a couple weeks back, which we covered on this show, where they showed the the amount of storage space that you'll have in the uh, unit after, or once you get it, basically. And it was something like 665 gigabytes. That wasn't shown in this state of play, but just the fact that the UI was the same in both the leak and this presentation, that kind of confirms that information. It does, and I'm glad that it does because the leak looked good, and this video, if you guys haven't seen it, you need to go check out like what it looks like for yourself. I'm I'm sure we've got some B-roll playing right now, but 
it looks incredible. Yeah, and so it started with what they're calling the control center. And this is a menu you can bring up in the middle of a game. You press the PlayStation button or the PS button, and it immediately pops up these cards. And each of the cards does something different. And again, this doesn't, it does pause the gameplay, but you don't have to exit the game to get here. Uh, it even shows up in the background, as I'm sure, like Jackson said, we're probably showing this in B-roll. But anyway, each of these cards, like I said, does something different. And I thought some of them were really cool, like activities. You can now open a, like select games. I'm sure not every game will have this, but certainly first party games and hopefully m most major games. You can open up an activities card and it'll show you what you have done to complete a certain objective and what you have left to do, which I think is just awesome. Like that's just a great way to, it's it's not a walkthrough per se, but it definitely helps you kind of figure out where to go. Sure. And I actually don't know the answer to this question, Josh. Are objectives connected to trophies directly? Like I'm not exactly sure what these are. Are they just completely separate? I don't know. I, I My impression from looking at this was that they are separate, but they did. There was this kind of like a confirmation last week. I think it was on some foreign site, like a French website popped up some information that confirmed that trophies will have tracking. So you can track how much you have to do to achieve, to obtain a trophy. But I don't okay. know. And then they actually took that down uh, really quickly. So people are kind of wondering if it's legit or not. But anyway, it's possible that that's part of this, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, I, I found the player estimate on how long it'll take to complete based on your habits as a gamer is yeah. really fast. That's like some AI learning, machine learning, I feel like. Yeah, very cool. And uh, along these lines, there was also an option where you actually can get help. Certain games will have little videos that you can play if you're wondering how, or if you don't know how to do something, or if you're having trouble, they'll have a little video that shows where you need to go in order to complete an objective. So you will actually be able to get in-game help. And I think that they mentioned that this was for PS Plus members only, which is interesting. Yeah, it's like a premium feature. I wonder if PlayStation's going to roll other features of the PS5 into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, they also covered some uh, voice chat functionality. It, it seemed to focus around the party functionality, but there was voice chat. One interesting, very interesting feature here is that if you have friends that you're chatting with or talking to, you can share your screen with them. And then they'll they'll see your gameplay in this little window and you can watch what they're doing as they're doing it. I don't really know what the main benefit is going to be for this, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah, I don't see myself as a user doing this. Um, but if you've ever been someone that's accidentally pressed the picture in picture button on your remote, like old school TV remotes, that's what it's like. Yeah. So, uh, they did get also into the create functionality or the create button functionality, but I, I'm pretty sure they didn't cover this uh, extensively or in full because they basically showed that you can share like 4K captures. But uh, And they did say that your PS5 is recording gameplay as you play, which I think is pretty standard nowadays. But they didn't talk about any um, like how you can share socially on like Twitter or YouTube or, you know, wh wherever you might post this stuff, which I was a little disappointed not to see that. I think, generally speaking, it's similar, and that's probably why they didn't touch on it specifically, but they did show that you can send those pictures within your parties. So if you take a cool screenshot or a clip and you want to send it within your party, but you don't want to use the you know the screencast function, um, you can do that. So it's interesting. Yeah. Um, the, the, ne the next few things I'll run through pretty quickly, they also showed the the home screen which is, you know, when you're, I believe this is when you're outside of a game. This is basically what you, you'll see, like when you boot up your PlayStation. And 
It has, uh, each game does have its own hub. This is similar to what we see on the PlayStation 4 where you can like see your activities. You can see other players' activities. You can see like, I'm assuming if anybody's streaming, you'll be able to jump in to watch that. Stuff like that will be on this hub for each game. There's also an explore function. And this, uh, actually, Jackson, I'm drawing a blank here. Do you remember exactly what this is? Yes. So this is essentially... Uh, kind of an everything screen. So this will kind of mix everything you can expect. It's got official stories from PlayStation, like press media stuff that they're putting out, uh, trending media from the community. And also they said specifically that the Explore screen on the home sc- or tab on the home screen will not be available for everyone on launch. So yeah, I remember that. Yeah, they're like testing it, but I'm not exactly sure it's kind of wishy-washy on exactly what the purpose of this screen is to me. Yeah, and they did mention a few times that just this whole UI experience is something that is uh, going to be changing. They're going to be updating it, which I think is great. You know, we'll, uh, it probably won't look like it does now in a year or two. Uh, so that's that's good news. Um, the last thing, last two things, there is the, obviously there's the PlayStation Store, whereas this was a separate app on the PlayStation 4. It's now integrated into the the operating system it's it's not an app i don't really know what that means but take that for what it's worth and then lastly they showed um, some kind of functionality for when you do share a screenshot i thought the the most interesting thing here is that if you need to type some text to accompany your screenshot uh, like anybody who's posted a screenshot directly from the ps4 to twitter has knows it's uh, cumbersome to type well this uh, UI features text to type. So you can just talk and the microphone in your controller will pick it up. And that's super convenient. Yeah, it's kind of shocking that we haven't had that before. Um, and now that it's here, it's like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So anyway, that was a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, my impressions were positive of this. I think it looks good. I wasn't expecting anything groundbreaking or mind blowing. So this kind of met my expectations. What about you? Absolutely. Um, I, I It looks very slick and clean. That's something you always expect from Sony and PlayStation. And Uh, It met my expectation there. Nice. Yeah. So we also got some Series X, some Xbox Series X news this week. So we're all over the place in terms of next gen news. Uh, Jackson, for these uh, next two uh, previews here, do you mind if I kick it over to you? Sure. Absolutely. Um, So yeah, uh, for Xbox Series X, Game Informer gave us a deep dive into uh, their second round, their second wave of impressions. As we know, press has had xbox series x uh for several weeks now i want to say and so um we've been seeing all kinds of little tidbits uh, but now they're kind of unveiling a little bit more uh we got to learn more about quick resume that seems to be the big topic the past week um the fact that you can swap between games very quickly i would say around 10 seconds is what it takes to swap between multiple games that all are just kind of simultaneously running in the background um and the thing is this works even after unplugging your Xbox Series X. So yeah. you can have it in one room, take it to another room, plug it back in, and it still has the same level of quick resume that you would have had if you hadn't done that. Now, this is just, I don't see a practical purpose for that um, in terms of unplugging it. That is just like a, wow, this tech is really cool. Um, <laughs> you know, quality If your there. power goes out. That there you go. I mean that. Yeah. If your power goes out, you're not going to lose progress. Um, so that is a that's a great point, Josh. I didn't even think about that. Um, but just in general, if you're someone, um, I grew up in between two houses growing up, so I would constantly move my Xbox back and forth. If you're someone like that, yeah, this is great. 
Um, So I can see a few little practical things there, but just overall, Quick Resume is great. Um, Moving on from there, uh, they showed off some next-gen loading times, and they had some mixed mixed results on this. Yakuza was really quick. It was five seconds. Gears 5 took 10 seconds to load. Um, I, I just assume from pressing the button in the home screen to playing the game. And then Dirt 5 and Gears Tactics each took 17 seconds. So hmm. it sounds like there's going to be a disparity on games, which is something you already expect. But it's not like 17 seconds is long. You just would think that it would be quicker. Um, and I agree with the the impressions, the person who wrote that up. On Yeah, there. it's like 17 seconds does sound like a long time. But then you can play some games where it takes a minute or longer to uh, to load the whole game. So... Yeah, I, we don't have any comparisons on these games for the Xbox One X, but it'd be interesting to know like what Dirt Five would, how long it would take to load on the old gen consoles. Yeah, it would it would be um, good to have a comparison there. Uh, but going through the rest of these impressions, they talked about the controller. They said the grips feel good. The share button is great. That's something we pretty much just missed on the last gen Xbox. Um, mm-hmm. So the fact that that's there is good. D pad feels more precise. Uh, overall, it's a definite improvement, but not as big of a leap from 360 to one, uh, which is fine. Like, don't fix what isn't broken, in my opinion. So uh, that was that was good to see the UI experience on Xbox. While we got some PS5 news, we also got a little bit more about the Xbox interface. And Xbox did a whole store overhaul and UI overhaul in general. It's been changing a lot, I've noticed in the past few years. But they said that the experience is very smooth and it actually does benefit from the newer hardware, which is something you would hope for. Um, Final little thing on these impressions, the storage expansion card. This person said that if you want to pay the 220 for the Microsoft branded card, it behaves identically to the games on internal storage, which is a good thing. They kind of noted like it almost feels necessary because of how big games are, which is a bit of a bummer. Um, but at the same time, it's good to know that it uh, feels functional and like it's not even an extension. It's part of the internal you know, storage. Yeah, that's very good news. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, very interesting that we're getting, you know, tons of information on both next gen consoles this week. Yeah, I'm really excited. This just makes me more excited to get my consoles. I'm really like I got my Xbox Series X through Amazon. So I'm, I'm like kind of on pins and needles. Am I going to get it on day <laughs> one? But if I am. I'm really excited to test these load times out, see again, like, yeah, the UI, how that's changed. And I did not get a storage card. I'm, I'm hedging my bets that I'll have enough storage space for at least what I need to play on day one. But who knows? Maybe I'll just have a, enough games that I'll need to go out and get one. And hopefully they're not sold out everywhere. I, I hope so, too. Uh, and I think I'm I'm fortunate enough to have fast internet. I know not everyone in America does. I mean, internet kind of sucks here. Um, I know it's even worse in places like Australia, but um, I'm not, I'm fine. Like if I want to take down a few games and up, download a couple more, that's something that I'm able to do, but I know that not everyone is. Um, so yeah, I guess it's time to move into our Dirt 5 preview. Yeah, yeah, take it away. Uh, This was not something... I I did watch the uh, Digital Foundry video, but um, I'm not terribly familiar with this information here. Yeah, I'm I'm just going to kind of gloss over a lot of this stuff. Um, But we we saw some gameplay of Dirt 5 running on Xbox Series X, and it's great to just have a direct comparison. And that's essentially what we got um, with this video that we're referring to. 
Uh, it showed off the frame rate mode on Xbox Series X, and you got dynamic 4K and 60 FPS, which is something that I think a lot of people are looking for out of next gen. So it's great to see that in action. There's an image quality mode, which gives you dynamic 4K, 60 FPS, but with improved visuals, but it drops down to 8 1800p. So if that's something you're okay sacrificing in terms of revolution, uh, resolution uh, for better visuals, then you can go down that route. Um, and then you've got performance mode, which is somewhere between 1080p and 1440p, but it runs at 120 FPS. Uh, there's a noticeable dip in the visuals on this uh, version of the game, but man, that frame rate um, coming from someone who really, really values the frame rate, that may be something that I check out on a, if, if other games offer a performance mode. Um, but outside of that, Dirt 5 uh, has dynamic day and weather cycles, which is, I think, something you're going to see a lot more on next-gen yeah. hardware because it's able to facilitate that kind of gameplay. Yeah, I will say the tracks in this video that, uh, if you haven't checked it out, go to Digital Foundry, look at their Dirt 5 preview, and the track textures just look so good with like the weather the rain the light coming off of it and how it changes depending on the time of day just really spectacular looking game um and i'm really curious to see what these quote-unquote improved visuals are like i i think we got some news we might get into this later but that spider-man miles morales performance mode has uh features that's how you get ray tracing so i wonder if that's the same here will it be actual like visual features that aren't in the frame rate mode for example Right. I, I anticipate that uh, a lot of great channels like Digital Foundry will show us um, exactly what's going on there. Because Josh and I, while we have general knowledge, we don't have that very specific uh, technical experience. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, so if you're into racing games, yeah, check out Dirt 5. It does look, uh, at least from a, a graphical fidelity standpoint, it looks amazing. Um, the next Xbox Series X game that we got a preview for this week was Yakuza Like a Dragon. And I say Xbox Series X because that's what people were playing it on. I actually, I do believe that this may eventually be a multi-platform game, but don't quote me on that. Anyhow, for this particular preview, what I really want to cover is just this game looks bonkers. And I know that Yakuza is known for being quirky and weird, but this looks really out there and in a great way. Um, so if, if you don't know, Yakuza typically is like a, um, a beat-em-up. It's like a, an open-world beat-em-up game. Um, I'm being incredibly reductive there, so don't, don't come at me too hard <laughs> if I'm missing the point of this game. I've not played them. But the difference for this particular entry to the series is that they've ditched the, the, the real-time beat-em-up combat for turn-based RPG-style combat. And indeed, this does look like a full-fledged RPG but the jobs they have, so they have a job system kind of adding on to the RPG elements, and the jobs that they have are what really caught my attention. They're hilarious. Uh, you can so in in like typical RPGs, particularly JRPGs, you can assign jobs, and they're usually like you're a, you're a paladin or you're a you're a a warrior, you know. And in this game, you can assign like a chef as your job, so like actual jobs, and then you are wearing an apron, a chef's hat, and your weapons are these two spatulas, which is awesome. It gets even weirder. If you choose the homeless guy job, you then have an ability called pigeon control, which I have no idea what that does. And you have another called smelly breath. So that sets the tone for what this game is going to be like. I'm My curiosity is peaked. I may <laughs> check out Yakuza if I have time at some point, you know, end of this year, early next year. We'll see. Yeah. So Josh, have you played the Yakuza games ever? 
No, but a, a few of the podcasts I listen to definitely go in detail on them. There's some fans of this game that I, I'm just, uh, you know, in terms of like social media people I'm connected to. And so my familiarity comes from that. I, I do know a little bit. Okay. I haven't played them, uh, but the extent of my knowledge is kind of similar to yours. I've watched some streams of them, and then I've watched some impressions on Yakuza Like a Dragon, and um, it just looks like a very, very light game. Um, And this one seems to take what people really like and just push it even further. And like you said, with the jobs, the assignments, that really reminds me almost of South, the South Park um, RPGs where you have these bananas, insane classes that don't make any sense, but they're so creative that they're kind of endearing. Um, Yeah. So Yakuza Like a Dragon, definitely not a game I I see myself touching for a while, but (laughs) if, if it's, you know, if it's out there and it's, you know, on Game Pass, maybe in the future, like I'd absolutely check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Humor is tough to get right in video games. Not that I would know. I've never made a video game, but <laughs> you don't see a lot of games that get humor right. South Park was among the ones that do. And hopefully this one does. Uh, for people who appreciate this type of tone, it looks like it could be a really fun game. Uh, speaking of really fun games, the next one we're talking about, you and I are going to get into our hands-on impressions of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but we also got a big info dump from um, two outlets, Game Informer and IGN this week. So Ubisoft is kind of pulling out all the stops, giving people a ton of information. And for Game Informer, what we learned is a little bit more about how the story of this game unfolds. There are three main arcs, one for Eivor, one for the clan that you're a member of, the Viking clan you're a member of as a whole. And then there's one for kind of like the larger conflict in the game. That was interesting. They also talked a little bit about the hidden ones and the the Order, or is it the Order of the Ancients? Yes. What, what are they called? Order in, of the okay. Ancients. Which is the Assassins and the Templars. And those are definitely in this game, but you're not necessarily aligned with one or the other 100%. So that's interesting. We'll, we'll see how those dynamics play out. We also learned that this game will have a, a hit list, as I'm calling it, I guess. So similar to Odyssey, where you had that list of people in the cult. can't remember what the cult was called, but that you had to assassinate them. A similar hit list will appear in Valhalla. And then lastly, IGN released these kind of cheesy marketing videos and they did reveal some new footage that we hadn't seen. What I found particularly interesting about these was the mythical realms that we got to see. Uh, You get to go to Asgard and you get to uh, fight these uh, enemies called frost giants. These are via hallucinations. So in typical Ubisoft style, you'll take some hallucinogens and you'll get to go (laughs) do all this uh, supernatural stuff. Uh, What were your impressions of all this information, Jackson? First of all, overwhelmed um, because Josh and I played the game and then we knew that all we knew that we could share information publicly, but we didn't know like, oh, my gosh, that all of this stuff would come out. And I believe this was a day before our um, embargo lifted. So, yeah, um, overwhelmed. And then I didn't add this to the doc. We can talk about this later in our preview. But Ubisoft released another trailer um, uh, yesterday from when we we're recording this. Jeez. And um, it unveiled even more information that we just we actually just did not know about so um lots to cover but yeah i appreciated that this showed off more of the like you said josh the mythical worlds and sort of that aspect of the game where uh you're really leaning into the norse um not even mythology but culture and what they believed and yeah. you know talking to a seer and taking something that'll make you trip and make you imagine things are happening so uh, very interesting stuff. Yeah, it looks really cool. Uh, and 
going on to another uh, upcoming open world game. We're going to get, man, we're going to get so many open world games. <laughs> um, we got some Spider-Man Miles Morales news this week. So Game Informer, again, that's their cover story this month. So we're getting a lot of information and this, I'm sure we'll get more information as time, as the weeks move on. But we got to see the first boss battle from the game. Uh, and this shows Peter Parker fighting alongside Miles, which I think might be the first time we saw it. We've seen both of those characters in their suits on screen together. And they're fighting Rhino, who we fought in uh, Spider-Man for the PS4. It looked great. We get to see some of Miles Morales' powers where he can manipulate electricity. So I guess that's, I did my research, and that is his superpower, is he's got these electric, I don't, I don't know what to call it, but he can use electricity. And it looks awesome, this kind of yellow glowing uh, shocks that he sends out. And then we got some screenshots, which look gorgeous. And um, some other stuff that we got via GameSpot. Uh, Miles Morales will feature some surprise villains that haven't yet been announced. I think that's not a huge surprise there. And then overall, they, this is a direct quote, overall, the sequel promises to be more than just a reskin of the 2018 game with improvements on gameplay and a whole new and whole new feature such as, and this is why I put this in here, quote, a friendly neighborhood spider app. So you will have an app on, I'm guessing, your phone. And then there's a video that if you haven't seen, you've got to check it out. There's a mission where you can recover a backpack that 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 literally has someone's cat in it. And the cat is named Spider-Man. You bring it back to them and then they give you the backpack, which you can take around on missions. And it literally has the cat in it who has special abilities that like the cat literally punches someone in the video. <laughs> it's awesome. Definitely check it out. I missed that detail. I saw the screenshots, but I didn't see the video. Um, yeah, this all, all of this information. I already knew that I was hyped for Miles Morales, but it makes me even more hyped. Um, the game looks gorgeous, and just in the visuals department, um, I don't think you, uh, not Ubisoft, Insomniac gets enough credit for how amazing the engine is in these games. Um, they're just pushing yeah. it further. Uh, it looks gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, technically, it's I guess it's a cross-gen game, but we did also learn that, like I said earlier, the performance mode on this, whatever they're calling that, will feature ray tracing, so it should look amazing on the PS5. Yeah, and just the the friendly neighborhood spider app that gets my mind racing. Is that just like a randomly generated like I need your help, Spider-Man, come help me system? Who knows? Yeah, yeah, they didn't release any other details that I saw. Maybe if you saw some. Drop it in the comments to let us know, but uh, that is some interesting information. And the last game we got a big uh, info drop about this week was Cyberpunk, which was just this morning as we're recording this show. We saw episode four of their Night City Wire series, and it started by covering the cars of the game. And I have to say, I thought they looked awesome. I love the aesthetic of the cars. They covered a bunch of different kind of classes of vehicles. Uh, there's economy, which are cheap beaters, basically, just their economy. Executive, which is the opposite. Those are like big, huge, uh, like I'll call them, they look like the Cadillacs of the future, I guess. Then there's heavy duty, which are like armored vehicles, sport cars, which are what they sound like, and then hyper cars, which are also what they sound like, the fastest cars you'll likely be able to get in the game. They did cover motorcycles, but they didn't say whether this was a separate class or whether there'll be motorcycles for each class. And then they also said that there are, quote, automotive icons, the one that they revealed was Johnny Silverhand's uh, 100-year-old Porsche. So did you get a chance to check this out this morning, Jackson? I did. Um, these cars, I echo what you said. They look gorgeous. But 
uh, I got a general vibe that this is just a real world. And that's what I appreciated most about these cars, actually. Like the economy cars. You know, a lot of games just yeah. give you the fastest cars. Like, whoa, look, this is such a cool car. But then you've got these, you know, it's, it's real. And it just projects a, a, a feeling that you are in a breathing, living world. So that's what I loved about these cars. Yeah, and I will. I just want to add, I love the kind of, they look like they're from the 80s, but also from the future. Uh, yeah. Like, I just love that. 80s vibe that they had at least that's what i took away from it they nailed the aesthetic yep so uh uh they did talk about like how they record the sound and stuff but no new gameplay was revealed there they did get into the styles that we see in the game again no real gameplay here but we just got a a look at the aesthetic and i will admit that maybe more than any other night city wire just get really getting a look at the look of this game got me more excited about it i'm right there with you um just what I said about the cars, that I felt that with the styles. It's just that there are different classes of society all meshed together in this one place, but all within this same cyberpunk aesthetic. Um, it's believable. It's uh, it's really unique as well. And so uh, <laughs> it just got me that much more hyped. It's amazing how CD Projekt Red is able to continue upping the ante for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I can't wait for this game. Uh, I hate to say it, but with everything I've got planned for my channel, I I may not get to this game at launch. I may have to wait a little bit, but I, it it is going to be an unbelievable game. It does come out, as you know, November nineteenth. We also got news that it comes out on Stadia the same day. So if you're one of the like five people that are going to play this game on Stadia, <laughs> it comes out day and date. So that's good news. <clears throat> and Ooh, that's um, brutal, Josh. Dude, I I am not a fan of Stadia. I have it, and it is not. <laughs> worth in my opinion this is definitely subjective but it is not worth it i i i can't go easy on stadia especially after <laughs> like what amazon revealed for their streaming service so uh take that for what it's worth um we also got news that there will be a night city wire episode five so we don't know when that'll be but look forward to that yeah it should be like right before launch yep uh and then moving on we have some quick hits jackson did you want to cover these Sure. Really quickly, um, Rockstar bought Ruffian Games, the developer of Crackdown 2, and they rebranded it to Rockstar Dundee. Nothing really to add to that story other than Rockstar had an acquisition, which is very, very far and few between. So look forward to whatever they put out in the future. Next up, Ken Levine, who uh, led Inso not Inso Irrational Games, um, who made Bioshock and Bioshock 2, or Bioshock Infinite, um, his latest game, is in the late stages of development at Ghost Story Games. We haven't heard anything from Ken Levine since 2014 when yeah. he made this uh, interesting like dev uh, presentation about narrative Legos and how he approaches immersive sims. So this is an immersive sim sci-fi game. So just keep it on your radar. We could see this thing in the next couple of years. And then finally, a little more Mass Effect news. Mass Effect Legendary Edition got raided in Korea. So... Uh, just keep it in the back of your mind. Last thing we heard is that this thing might be coming out early 2021. I have a very bold prediction to make. Okay. Let's Mass Effect Legendary Edition is, in fact, happening. It's real. Just going to put that out <laughs> <Whoa>. there. <laughs> All right. You heard it here first. Everyone that talks about it, refer to this episode of the podcast. Yep. Um, okay. So with that, we are now going to switch gears and our deep dive discussion, as we're calling it, this week is our gameplay impressions of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So both Jackson and I were fortunate enough to play this game last week for six full hours apiece. 
And man, there's just a lot to go over. And since, again, I typically do a lot of the talking on this show, Jackson, I want to kick this over to you first and hear what you thought of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. All right. Uh, So first off, I made a 41 minute long impressions video. Um, So I wanted to plug that. I'm also uploading some gameplay and I got to interview three devs. So look for all of that on my channel um, if you haven't seen it. But uh, my general impression of Valhalla is that it is from compared to my last demo, so much has improved. Um, The fact that they included the settlement in this demo really gave it uh, a cohesion that the last demo did not have, uh, not even close, um, both in the narrative and just what you're doing and kind of the gameplay loop, the cycle of gameplay. You are going out on these story arcs. You're spending several hours uh, with new characters and pushing the plot forward, but you're circling back to your settlement, and that was huge. And the detail in the settlement was so important to me because, uh, as you guys probably know, I have been replaying the games. I talk about it constantly. Um, but I replayed Assassin's Creed 3, and the biggest thing that sticked out, stuck out to me was the homestead in that game. Um, and w- the settlement in Valhalla blows the homestead away, which is crazy. And it blows, like, Monteregioni away. It's just so important um, to everything in this game. Um, that was kind of my big takeaway, Josh. What was yours? I'm curious. So for me, this was my first time playing it. So um, I got my first taste of the combat. I posted a video on my channel as well. It's like the 19 things that I discovered that we didn't previously know. But this is stuff that other people may have discovered for before me, obviously. But the combat really does feel, or it did feel different. I recently, as I've mentioned number, a number of times on the show, played through Odyssey. And I spent a ton of time with that game. But my muscle memory was not enough to carry me through the combat in Valhalla. And that was a result of the dual wielding system where you have like two weapons. You can wield like either two axes or a shield and an axe. And just using two or rather, I think there are three buttons. Three of the trigger buttons will have different um, uh, different inputs and different execute different attacks. So that took me a little while to get used to. But then when I switched and my first combat encounter, I almost died. So I switched to a shield and an axe, and man, that shield was a lifesaver. And then uh, parrying also feels a bit different. In Odyssey, you have to like press two triggers at once, and in Valhalla, it's, I think, one trigger. But anyway, there are just enough subtle differences that add up to create what felt like a unique combat experience, and that was refreshing for me. Um, And it was a little more challenging. I won't say that this is going to be a tough game on the combat front, but you just have to be a bit more deliberate with your inputs. That was my experience. But what I've, I... Yeah. Go, no, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say that um, uh, combat to me felt more like Origins. And for every reason that you just said, like the parry button, same as Origins. The special ability thing by holding LB, Origins. Mm-hmm. Like, it just feels a lot more uh, Origins than Odyssey. Yeah. Um, but my favorite part of the game was the exploration. Like, th- So this game kind of takes the exploration mode from Odyssey where waypoints don't guide you as much as clues that you learn from like NPCs and then they're listed in the map as or even in the, the just, I think they're actually listed in the, the top of the screen at all times, these hints and clues that you get. Anyways, there are other ways that Valhalla implements the same kind of lack of handholding to guide you along. That It lets you discover where to go next and what to do next. And... Like in one instance, there were there. I had to. Uh, you probably encountered this too. I had to find the meeting of two rivers. So you open your map and find the, where those two rivers meet. You go down, 
And even once you get there, your destination, you're looking for this crypt, that crypt is not marked with a waypoint. You have to really discover where it is for yourself. I love that method of discovery. And then even like there were a couple instances where I found uh, what are called wealth opportunities, these treasure chests. And uh, I could see, I could literally see it through a, like a gate, but I couldn't get through the gate. I had to find a back way into the the house or into the building. And there were a couple of instances where I just abandoned them because I couldn't find how out how to get in there. And I was playing this demo, I wanted to move on. But just the fact that not everything in this game is just shown to you and you have to figure out where to go or how to get certain things. I love that. I love that too. And I was watching your video and I was like, yes, Josh caught the same thing I did. Um, that same two rivers thing uh, yeah. was awesome to see. And you went a step further and pointed out like the icon on the screen, the little question mark. That sort of tells you like you have to find out where to go here. Um, and yeah. it, it also eliminates the like highlighted zone on the map that we saw in Origins and Odyssey, where it's yeah. like use Senu. It's, you still it says like use Senu to find the exact location, um, but it's less handholdy. Um, you said it perfectly. And um, I also felt like there, there was a, a part of me that was thinking the whole wealth mystery artifact thing would would kind of grow stale and be like, oh, I know it's going to be one of these things. It really did not, especially with world events. I don't know how many you found, but you really don't know what to expect. Um, because when you're looking for, like, say, the the blue shiny thing on the map, that could be a quest or that could be a very short activity. So it really does. Um, per, it kind of sits in that zone of tell, of kind of giving you enough to pique your interest, yep. but not revealing the whole thing. Yeah, speaking of world events, I, I I only did one and it was this guy on this little island and he told me that he didn't need this this treasure that he had in his his house and he's like, "Yeah, my house is on the river and it's right next to a tall tree." That's literally all he told me. And again, no waypoint. So I had to find that house on my own. So same kind of exploration thing. That Yeah, by far that's my favorite part of the game. I will say it feels enough like the previous games though that uh, I think other people have said this too. I don't think there's enough here that's going to, you know, sway people who weren't fans of Odyssey and Origins, but it's not going to feel like you're playing those games over again. Right. I don't know actually that I would quite agree with that. I think it's I think there is enough different. I think that the overall flavor and feel of this game is different enough. I, I think that you can very easily identify that this is made in the same engine. Mm -hmm. Um and that turns some people off, but um, I I don't know, like the settlement and exploration, yeah. it, it just kind of changes things for me. The settlement, there was a lot to do in the settlement. In fact, that's one of the things I, that's one of the titles in my video. There's a, a ton to do in your settlement. And that does <laughs> add a whole other aspect of gameplay. It makes it feel more like an RPG, which is very cool, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wanted to ask you specifically about one thing you said in your video. Um, you said that you didn't find a single weapon. Yeah, I, I, I did find a helm. And I, I think some some armor, but literally I didn't loot a single weapon in that entire six-hour demo. And that goes to what some of the devs have said, that they're trying to make it more scarce. I did mention in my video, I wasn't like looting a ton of stuff, but you know, when I killed someone, I looted their body. And when I found a random chest, I would loot it. And I think the one helm I did find was in a wealth opportunity. It was in one of those special chests. So, yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I... I found a couple, um, when I, not to get into specifics, but when I found the king, 
mm-hmm. there were a couple chests in there that had weapons and and my my uh I, I was gonna miss them and my demoist told me hey there's a chest in here with a weapon that's so- funny because <laughs> i was literally like 10 minutes away from the end of the demo when i found the king and my uh, uh my demoist was like okay if you want to get to the end of this quest here's what you got to do you got to go here 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 and oh, so i just like they bypassed, rushed you through okay. i bypassed any loot that i might have found yeah Gotcha. Okay, that that that's where the <laughs> the loot was hiding. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. What else? Yeah. Anything else specific that you wanted to touch on with Valhalla? Um. Well, I was going to mention the settlement, which I thought was cool. Um. Oh yeah. Just that the world is more diverse and beautiful than what we saw in the first demo. I was not impressed with the aesthetic of East Anglia. Um. Someone was very quick to point out in the comments of my video that that is actually how East Anglia looks in real life. So that's important. But the rest of England, it appears, is much more diverse. I saw, like, you know, these colorful fields, and I saw these really beautiful vistas that were really high up, uh, and I saw these snow-capped mountains in the distance, and my demoist said, like, you can go and explore those mountains. So don't, if you if you were unimpressed with the visuals that we saw, not the visuals, but the, the look of the, the, the land in the first demo, it gets a lot more interesting. Did you get a vibe from the vistas of uh, Ghosts of Tsushima slash Breath of the Wild in terms of like world design? Because I definitely felt that in terms of we're going to put you up really high and look at all the stuff that you can actually go to and explore. You know, it, there's like the landscape is dotted with castles and just things that immediately tap into your intrinsic motivation. You're like, I want to go there and see that. Yeah, definitely Breath of the Wild. I, I have to say, I didn't think of uh, Ghost of Tsushima, but there was a vista. If you watch my video, in the it, it, pretty much in the first section, I think I showed this vista. And you can see off in the distance, this like spike mountain peak. I mean, it lo- literally looks like a spike just raising up almost miles out of the land. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm like, I got to go there and see <laughs> what that is. Uh, yeah. So yeah, and that reminded me a lot of Breath of the Wild, where you get really high up and you can see the draw distance in this game is unreal. You can just it, see far, far off. Yeah, and I I interviewed, I got the chance to interview the art director Rafael Lacoste, and he told me that the technology um, that they're able to leverage in the open world games is just like they love it because they can deliver those long draw distances, um, and they were able to specifically make this game. And I told him it looks like a painting, and he was like, "Wow, that's what we are going for. It looks like a painting at times, um, yeah. with with the colors and just, yeah, whatever they're using to make this thing look the way it does. It's it's really it's working. Yep, yeah, it's going to be beautiful. And uh, I think we were playing. I, I did ask. We were playing on a very high end PC, which is kind of what you would imagine they would let us play on. But so your mileage may vary. But I do imagine that if you're playing this on next-gen consoles or PC, it's going to look really good. We'll see what the performance is like on old-gen consoles. That'll be very interesting. It will be. And um, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but they released the PC specs. And um, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at my 1080 Ti that has been running Origins on very high pretty smoothly. I'm not, I'm not going to chance that, man. I'm, I'm going next-gen console. I think I'm going to play it on Series X. Oh, nice. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, the load times should be, if nothing else, I do remember in Origins, man, sitting through a 20-second load time every time you do a fast travel or for uh, if you die, it, it we're going to save a lot of time. I imagine at least one of the 100 hours I played that game was just sitting in front of a loading screen. So, Right. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. Well, those were our impressions of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I think, uh, you know, I'm very excited to play this game when it comes out. More excited than I was. Um, I don't want to speak for you, Jackson. I imagine you're excited. <laughs> eh, we'll see. <laughs> yes, I'm yeah. excited. So um, we are now going to take our second break. And when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about what we have been playing. We'll be right back. And we're back. We are now going to talk about the games we have been playing. I guess we just talked a little bit about this, but uh, have you been playing anything other than Valhalla, Jackson? I have not had a lot of time to play games. Um, I can speak for both of us when I say the Valhalla preview took a long time. Um, A lot of our time in the past week. I did throw on Dead Space. I'm going to hop on my soapbox Mm. for a second. The original Dead Space, uh, I did a backwards compatible Xbox One X version. It's a 360 game. That game reminds me of that franchise and its potential. EA needs to bring back Dead Space. It's one of my favorite survival horror experiences. The mechanics are so sound and unique and solid. Um, And the backdrop of sci-fi horror is just one of my favorite um, kinds of horror. So... Uh, <laughs> off my soapbox, EA, bring back Dead Space. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I did not play the original, but I did play Dead Space 2, and I loved it. So God, Dead I'm, Space 2 is great. Yeah, but I've heard people say Dead Space 1 is perhaps even better. So maybe if I finish getting... I'll get in... Well, the game I'm still playing is Resident Evil 7, and I'm playing that because uh, it's Halloween, as you can see by the decorations behind me. I'm into Halloween if I finish Resident Evil 7, maybe Dead Space is the next game I'll play. But uh, still liking Resident Evil, but uh, I haven't had a ton of time to play it. Uh, the game that I have been playing the most of is a little game called Adobe Premiere Pro. I have been editing <laughs> videos, or my last video, you know, uh, I'm I'm a notorious perfectionist. So it takes me a lot of time to make the videos I do, and that's what I've been spending my time with, to be honest. But if, if, if that's a game, Josh, I've been playing a lot of that, too. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I have the Platinum Trophy by now. Uh, (laughs) But uh, anyways, if you like spooky games, I actually think Resident Evil 7 might be one of the scariest games I've played. Like, they do some things in that game that really mess with you, and it's awesome if you like to be spooked out. I'm right there with you. I actually did boot it up. I was trying to force my girlfriend to play a scary game with me, (laughs) but she gets uh, motion sick, which I get with this game. It, like, locks you into that very close-in POV. Um, Yep. And it's on purpose because it's terrifying. It is. I don't know. I think I said this last week. I have no idea how anybody can stand this game in VR. Props <laughs> to you if you're one of those people. Yes, you are. You deserve a medal of some kind if you can do that. Yep. Uh, so from that, we are now going to move on to our mailbag. This is where we take one or more of the questions from our audience and answer it here on the show. This week, we are going to take a question from Brian, who asked, do you think the Xbox Series X will be a big enough jump if the television I currently have is a basic 4K non-HDR set. And um, I have some thoughts about this. So Brian, I think that there are several reasons to upgrade to next gen. I think for people who are maybe getting their first 4K TV, then absolutely that jump in fidelity will be enough. But And if you have a really trained eye, then yes. But if you're like me, where honestly the jump from like whatever my PlayStation 4 Pro shows, which is not true 4K to 4K, native 4K, for me isn't going to make a massive difference. But I'm in it for like the load times, the convenience, any console exclusives, and just doing this for my job. I kind of feel like I am obligated to get these consoles. But to be honest, it depends on, again, if you have that trained eye and also what are you, 
do, do these load times that everyone is talking about? Does the convenience factor play a role for you? I don't know. What, what were your thoughts, Jackson? Yeah, Josh brings up a great point. First off, thanks, Brian, for that question. Um, yeah, f- just from a visual standpoint, I think you're going to notice a lot more with Xbox Series X. We just know that little things like ray tracing um, are, yeah. are going to be in there. So you're going to see things like that, even if you don't have HDR, I believe. Um, correct me if yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think um, ray tracing doesn't have anything to do with your TV. Right, exactly. So you're going to see that stuff. You're just not going to have the HDR. HDR is nice. I'm not going to pretend like it's not. But like Josh said, there's so many other advantages of next gen. Um, so don't think that the lack of HDR is going to hold back at your experience. I don't think it will. Uh, and so to, to answer your question, I think it will be a big enough jump. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, thanks, Brian, for that question. And forgot to mention at the top of this segment, you can write into preloaded at the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com and we would love for any and all of you to send us your questions we love reading them and uh, we love uh, talking about them here on the show so thanks again for the question and with that we are going to wrap things up again if you're listening on any of the audio formats google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, spotify or stitcher please subscribe and rate the podcast if you're on youtube leave a comment, drop a like. Uh, Jackson, we already talked about some of the stuff we have on our channels. Anything you want to plug specifically? Uh, yes. So my my 41-minute 41, 41 excuse me, long preview of Valhalla, once again, check that out. Um, I've got some secret Roman Bureau, Assassin Bureau gameplay that I uploaded. I've just got a lot more things that I'm sure will be up by the time this podcast airs. So go check out my channel for AC Valhalla coverage. And then also follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm JV on YT. Nice. And on my channel, well, we're going to have this podcast on my channel now for at least a couple weeks, if not on into perpetuity. We're going to just experiment with how that works. And we hope to see you on both channels. But wherever you watch this podcast, we love seeing you. Uh, I will have some other content uh, on my channel in the coming weeks, but it's stuff I can't talk about at the moment. Um, so stay tuned. Definitely stay tuned to my channel. Uh, hopefully next week I'll have a new video, if not the following week. And with that, we oh, and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Quest Mode Games. And with that, we are all finished up with this week's episode. Again, thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Bye, guys.